It's a little bit scary at times. It's like a handful of lollies, right? <laughs> <laughs> I really, really wanted a shower. It feels like a privilege to run on the train. Mate, I'm only just starting to realise what this actually takes. <laughs> There's a method to the madness. And that's when it started to get really difficult. If you're out there running ultras, you've got to crave information and knowledge yeah. on all different areas. I just pretty much slid all the way down to the bottom mm. and then there was all these rocks. Oh, oh, oh I'm going to be, you know, yeah, I'm going to get yeah. into trouble. Is that even humanly possible? I'm still feeling the bit. Yeah. Please. Yeah. There was uh, one really weird bit right at the end. I'm sure this will be the most listened to the podcast. There is that. Oh, absolutely. Hi, and welcome to Tales from the Mimpat. I'm your host, Rebecca Hunt. This is a trail running podcast where you hear stories from everyday runners, experts, and event recaps. Today we have an expert, the incredible professional ultra runner, Lucy Bartholomew. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Expert seems like a, <laughs> a very highly regarded title. Wow, you've been doing <laughs> so it a long time. <laughs> um, so Lisi has had a huge year in 2023. Um, she's raced a team relay, 250Ks, 100K, 200 milers. That was 200 milers with the space in there. And the Ironman World Championships. Um, and in amongst all that, she's gotten the second place, three firsts top 10 female finisher at UTMB um, and the UTMB Ironman and team relays were pretty much on top of each other as well. Phenomenal year. Thank you. So where did this whole running adventure begin for you really? Where are the grassroots of this? Yeah. So it starts, my dad's a runner um, and he has been my entire life. So he kind of always was a road marathon runner. Um, and so I saw him running, but I was never like, oh, I want to do that. I was like, why do you do that? Like there is cars that travel to work with you. You don't have to run. Um, but I, you know, I think just through exposure to it, I, it was very normalized in our family. If you need to get somewhere, you've got two legs, you can do it. Um, and then when he trained, he signed up for his first 100 kilometer in 2011. So he was 49 and I was 14. And I remember him signing up. It was the Ultra Trail Australia, the North Face 100 back then in the Blue Mountains. And I remember him like scrolling the mandatory gear list and just visibly looking like, oh my God, snake bandage, thermals. Like, what am I doing out here? <laughs> and um, it was really cool to see like someone like who I didn't, he never really showed any kind of like fear or emotions. I was like, ah, oh, okay, this is like, this is interesting. Um, and so he started training for it and I would ride my bike next to him some weekends. And then when he got onto more technical trails, I kind of left the bike at home and realize that when he says he's going running it's kind of like jogging a lot of walking and a lot of eating <laughs> yes. I was like oh I, th I think people you know they blow up the expectation of like I'm going for a run and they think it's a big sprint the whole time yeah. um and so I started to join him doing the walking jogging hiking eating thing and I went up and saw him complete this 100 kilometer race and saw the elite saw the front of the pack, saw the middle of the pack, people like my dad, and then saw the back of the pack. And I was mainly so inspired as a 14-year-old to see just people of different age, shapes, sizes getting it done. And I was just like, if they can do this, I want to do this. Um, and so it was actually on the train and back from Katoomba back to Sydney Airport that I 
uh, drafted an email to every 100 kilometer race director in the country and said, would you let me run? I'll be 15 real soon. And uh, one race came back the surf coast century and they said, yep, we'll let you in. But the rule is that we've set is that you have to run with your dad. And so dad and I ran along the surf coast century, hundred Ks along um, the South coast of Victoria together. And I just absolutely loved it. The 12 and a half hours just flew by. I, uh, yeah, it's probably the best day of my life, um, even with everything that's happened. It's just that day that it was kind of like I finally found what I wanted to do. That's brilliant. And it sounded like it became a bit of a staple for you and your dad to just that's your weekends away and how you spent time together as well. Yeah, and the cool thing was was that running was like what we did, but it was more like the road trip there like we would drive hours and I would sing the whole way um <laughs> and then we'd go to this little town in the middle of nowhere we'd stay or we'd camp or we'd stay at a little motel um and then we'd I'd always find somewhere really nice for dinner and then we'd run a little bit and then we'd go for brunch the next day and then we'd road trip home and so like if you actually portioned it out running was the smallest part of these adventures yeah. and it was more just like just super fun to hang out and see Victoria and he'd teach me so much and you know it really kind of bonded us and we had these conversations especially on the trails that if we sat down at a dinner table and he looked me in the eye and asked me these questions I wouldn't have answered them but there was something about I feel like I've had the deepest and you know most organic conversations when I'm running uh, because you don't have to look at that person yeah. and it's less <laughs> yeah. intimidating um and so we just developed this like bond and just complete openness that really set us up for just like a really awesome relationship as I got older. And usually when you start to kind of like think your parents are really uncool, I was like, mine's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And obviously, like with everything you do, running just must consume so much of your life. Um, probably all of it, if you wouldn't let it. Um, so what do you make sure that you make time for around running yeah I think you know it's funny because when people talk to me I think they think I want to talk about running and so they're like oh let's you know running and I'm like oh man I run I coach I do podcasts I you know I I read about running I don't need to talk about it um so like things like I'll read to educate but I will read like other books about things that are just completely, I can take my mind off it. I listen to podcasts that are just kind of like mystery solving ones and things that just completely take me out. Music that's like, I'm not listening to something that's like to the perfect beat that I should be running. I'm just listening to whatever. Um, and then I just hang out with my friends from school who they really, um, you know, they're kind of like the people that kind of saw me getting to running, but they don't really understand why I'm still doing it. And they kind of just like, oh, okay, like you're still doing it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> you know, they're the friends that like I've seen them have so many boyfriends and going through stages of life and pregnancy and weddings now. And so we can talk about such a broader scope of things and they could not care less about where I came in a race or how far I ran or what pace, which I just love. Yeah. <laughs> and you seem to make a lot of time for for dogs in your life as well. Yes, because Tani, especially my dog, uh, could not care less as well. You know, she's just like, you're back. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> you know, it's not like, oh, and um, you said you were going for two hours and you've only <laughs> been an hour 45. Um, no. And, you know, 
I learn so much from dogs when I travel I always try and stay with someone with a dog because they're just love and appreciation for the simple things and just their like their stoke and passion towards like a stick or a ball or like a little bit of peanut butter they're just like this is the best thing ever and I was like you get it every day I don't understand <laughs> um but yeah I feel like they're my Tani, my dog and other dogs have just been like my biggest teachers in in sport because there's so much weight on running if you if I look too much at it it's my job it's my profession it's how I make a living but you know Tani reminds me that like it's joyful and it's fun and it can be exploring and it can be slow and it can be fast moments but at the end of the day like as long as you uh have a good time and you're happy then it's fine yeah yeah so um, today's episode isn't about achievements and training and all that stuff. I'm sure you've talked about all that a million times. I kind of wanted to um, look at some of the things that are a bit closer to your heart that you talk about. Um, and the most recent one, one of them is your dad's achievement at Western States and I guess what that that meant emotionally. I found a comment on one of your posts. So I'm just going to read it, which I think just encapsulates how I felt and how a whole lot of other people here felt. Um, I found myself sitting on the edge of my couch cheering for a dad I didn't know with tears streaming down my cheeks for his sheer grit and strength and the entire trail community coming together cheering him in. It was a once in a lifetime moment even as a complete stranger to your family. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Um, so like if anyone ever needs a good healthy cry watching the golden hour videos of Western States where people have just made it or just missed it like that's where you can get all your feelings out. Um, <laughs> your dad at 60 years of age crossed the line of 30 hours and two minutes. Um, and the video of that just came out four days ago. Um, so I will obviously link that, um, get the tissues ready so you can watch that. Um, but you said about him in that, that he really harnessed the ultra attitude. Like, and what did you see in him that you think embodies the ultra attitude? You know, I think ultra attitude is just that relentless, grit you know like someone actually commented just the other day like I don't understand why he kept going when he was suffering so much and I I wrote back and I was like if you don't understand and you've you, if you haven't been in that situation and you haven't put yourself in that it's very hard to understand I get it like you're watching it and you're like he should just stop you know and um what's really kind of important to me, the, the ultra attitude is just that relentless optimism. And like, you know, dad says in the film, I, I didn't think I was going to make it, but you know, he was still like, I'm still getting to that finish line. I'm still going to run the hundred miles, the Western States. I'm going to go from Olympic Valley to Auburn track. And that, you know, that ultra attitude is you just can't let the negative head talk and that kind of, I can't, that doubt, you know, that kind of stuff creep in. And so you've just got to be constantly like, you're battling the terrain, you're battling your stomach, you're battling so many things. But I think the biggest thing we're battling is our minds because, you know, the biggest asset that an ultra runner can have is the ability to be comfortable in the uncomfortable running a hundred miles, running five kilometers. It's not a comfortable thing, you know, and we live in a world of comfort and so to voluntarily put yourself in that and to sign up and then pay to do it you know it's just kind of like that's that attitude of like I want to try I believe in myself I'm going to commit to the training I'm going to do the work I'm going to put in the effort and then it's Russian roulette how race day goes and when you watch the film you realize that 
you know, it can be going fine and then it cannot be going fine, you know, and you really are, it's out of your control. And that's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it's a heartbreaking thing, but the ultra attitude is that whatever, however that plays out, it's not long afterwards that you're like, I want to go again. And that's exactly <laughs> how it was, you know, like my dad's here a few months on and he's just like, I got to get on another start line. Like I can't have that as my last race that happened. That's fantastic. And it's probably also a lot of gratitude packed up in all of that as well. Just knowing that you, your past self had that faith and optimism and did all that work and gratitude for your past self and gratitude for being out there and the people that you're with. And that's all part of it as well. Totally. I really believe that if you can run with gratitude, you really can't lose. And I think it's something that my dad really had to process and he's come out with it. And you can see it in the, in the movie, his like mindset was kind of like, I was just grateful that I brought my family together, that I, my body carried me a hundred miles, time irrelevant, digits, no one cares. Like no one's, when you tell someone on the street, I ran a hundred miles, they're not going, Oh, and what was the cutoff? And, you know, they're just like, you did what? Like, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't drive that far. Um, and oh, so just you love a dollar for, you know, oh, someone says that. <laughs> I'd be a rich woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you've said you could probably learn a thing or two about his training because he embraced his age. Um, so how does that look, uh, training when, you know, you hit your 60s? and Yeah, um, it was... Um, yeah. It was really cool because when he got in, he kind of went gung-ho as everyone does. You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to train super hard. And I was like, dad, you're not 30 anymore. Like, you know, and he had this real um, association with running 100 kilometers a week. It was obviously something that he's done quite consistently in the past. And he was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I was like, your body doesn't know 100 kilometers. It doesn't care what number that is. Like it will tell you when it's had enough and that will vary based on the terrain, elevation, work-life stress, like, you know. And so once he kind of pulled back and accepted that his Strava graph might not be beautifully and flat and like very aesthetic um, and instead kind of like appreciated that he has a job, he has a family, he has stresses outside of running. And like, I always say like stress plus rest equals growth and you don't grow and get adapt and get stronger if you can't balance that stress and rest. And so once he kind of accepted that and dropped that mileage down and trained smart, so he got like a lot more into the gym. Um, so he did a lot of strength training, which was really awesome to see just for an older guy and, and older ladies too, is just to build that strong muscles um, and keep your bones strong. And then, yeah, just kind of like, he just got really reinvigorated with the sport. Um, He finally got into this race. He'd been trying to get into for 10 years. He wanted to give it all he's got. You know, he took days off work to go for big training runs and he was eating really well and going to bed early. And it was just, you know, it was really cool to see that kind of like influx of energy for him. Um, And then he just fell in love with that grind and that process. And, you know, it kind of, he was enjoying it so much that he was like, oh, you know, I kind of don't want to even want to taper for this. I don't want to do this race because I want to just like keep doing this. It feels so good. <laughs> and I was like, It feels good because you have June 24th. It ends, you know, like <laughs> when you've got that kind of finish line, it feels like you can keep that stoke, your body's ability to do it. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was really 
awesome to witness him daily um, squeeze in runs, go make his life fit around it and to put himself first for a little bit because he he's the king of putting his family, his work um, and everything else in front. And this was a time and a season where he, uh, yeah, he really valued his his need to train and his want to give this race everything it's got. And uh, it was really cool. Yeah. Um, the One of the major things that held him back was a wrong turn and any runner listening to this big, oh, my God, I know, <laughs> their own story would come into their head. Um, so obviously there has to be more that you're getting out of ultra running than, you know, finishes. Otherwise you end up with a whole lot of disappointment. <laughs> so like beyond, you know, those finish lines, like what does running mean for you in, in your life? Yeah, I think, you know, it's probably in my less good races or my considered probably by other people failures or my, you know, my DNFs, my hard challenging races that people have probably been more inspired. And I think dad's story, you know, initially it was meant to be a two minute reel on Instagram. It was meant to be old man gets into dream race, finishes it, the end, happy days, how inspiring. And then we watched it unfold and it obviously became a 32 minute film for Solomon TV because when do you ever capture this kind of like, it's all roses and sunshine and then the downfall. And we were kind of like, we have footage of, one of the most incredible stories of Western States. Um, And we wanted to do that justice. But I think that like, it's, it's through that, that people can relate. And it's like you say, going the wrong way can relate to it. GI issues. We've all had it. Um, And so I think that just kind of like framing that as like, it's not a failure. It's just lessons. And if, if I can learn it and then I can share my experience and maybe it stops you from doing that, or maybe it just gives you knowledge of, or like reassurance that what you went through, it wasn't you, like, it's not a you thing. It's an ultra. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> I feel like that's, you know, that was really important. And like, yeah, I feel like people need to reframe sometimes just like, maybe you didn't reach the finish line. But, like, what is the finish line, right? It's where the race director said this is where we're going to stop, you know. But if you get to 100Ks of 100 miles and it's not going super well, then, like, DNF, did not finish, can also stand for, like, did nothing fatal. Did You know, you weren't stupid out there. And that's so important because, you know, we want to be lifetime runners. We're not just in it for a short time and a good time and just as many buckles and medals as we can get. Um, And so, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. I kind of just went. <laughs> <laughs> that does. It's it's kind of spiritually what we gain. I mean, you talk about, you know, you go out for a run and it is this Russian roulette. And I guess that's part of what you were talking about there, the, this value in heading out to, and facing the unexpected and what we, we gain from doing that. Yeah. And it's it's a really beautiful thing that I feel like, when you go for a run, you don't know what you're going to see, you know, you don't know what you're going to encounter, who you're going to see, what you're going to smell. Uh, you know, sometimes I don't even know where I'm going to go. You know, <laughs> I'm just like head out the, down the road, left or right. And then it's kind of like map my way home. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that's just, we can organize and we can predict our lives so much these days you know we can put into google maps how long it takes to drive somewhere we can put the air conditioning on so it's a nice temperature in there we can you know maps will tell us what the traffic is like like we can everything is pre-planned but when you go for a run 
there is no roadmap and then there is no like everything is impermanent and everything is unpredictable. And if you can lean into that and kind of get excited by it and be like, I wonder what they're going to throw at me today. Like, you know, what's going to like whisper at me in my body? What's going to like, what's my headspace going to do? What's the inner voice going to talk about? And if you kind of just go with like a curiosity to that, I find it very exciting to be like, oh, and then I come home and I'm like, you would not believe what I've been through, Dad. (laughs) The title of one of your recent runs was stick, 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 snake, stick. Yes. As an example. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Remembering I'm back in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Um, you seem to put a lot of value in yeah, doing things that scare you and give you a, a new challenge. Um, certainly your Iron Man did that. Um I love that when you did that, you it was your first time doing a deep water start. Like, what a time to do it with two and a half thousand women kicking you in the face, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said you had to learn quick or get hit in that situation. So, yeah, I guess the value of being a novice again and, and trying new challenges. What do you get out of that? Yeah, I mean, Ironman and triathlon came into my world during lockdown. So when Melbourne and Australia and the world went into lockdown um, and we were one of the longest standing states in lockdown um I was kind of like all right maybe so I'm not going to be traveling internationally I I was originally meant to be doing western states and I was like I'll just do some local races and I kind of looked at the calendar and was like I've done them all like you know I really have done the rounds and I wasn't super inspired and it didn't really motivate me to get out for my one hour of exercise so I was like kind of thinking about it and dad and I had like talked about he's always wanted to do an Ironman and I was like oh yeah cool like I'll do that when my career is maybe done but when lockdown happened it kind of came to like Ironman reached out about doing uh, like a collaboration and I was like oh interesting okay cool if I'm gonna do it I want to do like a really cool one so I was like I want to do Bustleton I've never been to WA Uh, my other option was New Zealand but they weren't letting me in (laughs) um and you know so I just kind of trained for it and then WA was so removed from Australia no one was getting in or out so that got pushed back a year which was a blessing in disguise because I was not ready to um to do an Ironman at all I had been riding on the trainer which is one thing but cleaning them out on a bike that's actually moving is terrifying (laughs) so um you know I did Bustleton qualified for Kona and through that experience, I just loved it. I loved that, you know, in ultra running, people call me like you called me in the start of this, an expert. And they'll come to me and they'll be like, what shoes do I need to wear? What should I eat? How do I train? What do I do? I coach people. And it was so nice just to be like, um, how do you cleat in and out? And when you're swimming, like, what is a swim set? Like, how does this work? And it was just like, I was coaching myself at the time and was able to just jump in with groups of people. And the cool thing with triathlon training is that someone can be an amazing swimmer and then they'll get on a bike and maybe not be as strong. And then I'll be so not strong on the bike, but then we get on the run and I'll kick their asses. And so it's just like, the hierarchy changes you know everyone's kind of like comes to the front when they're confident and they're strong and then they're happy to just like slide in behind and look and learn and that to me was just like invaluable and I felt like 
maybe I'd been putting myself in a box to for too many years, just being like, I run a hundred Ks or more. I'm a trail mountain ultra trail runner. And I was like, Lucy, you don't need a title that long. I was <laughs> like, you can just be an outdoor enthusiast, a sports lover and put your toe, dip your toe in everything. Um, and that's what I kind of want to do moving forward is like, you know, uh, change is as good as a holiday. And it's just like keeping it spicy, keeping it different, learning, and what I learned from training for that Ironman triathlon, I will t- continue to train like that moving forward with my ultra running, whether I do another triathlon or not, because it made me so strong and it felt healthier. And I just absolutely loved it for my mind. Uh, interesting about your your mind, your WA Ironman, your mind just kind of switched off when it saw the finish line, which is something brand new <laughs> for you. <laughs> like that was just such an incredible moment where you just, like hello you can almost see you you talking to your body like what are you doing yeah. oh it was it was it was so I was like slightly embarrassed because they were like she's this amazing runner and I was like hobbling down the finish line by like, my legs um, Great uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and so what what I think happened and I think it's so interesting the mind and its strength hmm. so there's this like so Western States finishes on a track and you come in and you run 200 meters, half the track around to the other side. And on so many occasions, people have entered that track, looked across and seen the finish line and their body has shut down and they've gone, we've made it. I see it. We're done. And they'll collapse 200 meters from the finish line. They've been going for 199.8 miles. Oh yeah. Whatever. I don't know. 200 meters, but whatever. Um, and it's just because they've seen it and their mind has gone, we're there, let's drop. Like we've got nothing left. And so in Bustleton, the course is you kind of transition, the finishes in the middle and you go out one way four times and out the other way four times. So you cross the finish line turn eight times and yeah. it's heartbreaking because you're just yeah. like, you'd see the elites take the turn and you're like, no, yeah, I've got two more of these bloody things, you know? And, you know, it's great camaraderie because everyone's in such a small space, but I dreamt of taking that left and getting onto the red carpet and going to the finish line. And when it was finally my time, once I took that left and I was on that red carpet, I think my brain was like, we're there. Let's stop. Like, let's start. We've got to shut down because, you know, you pushed yourself really hard today and this is, we're done. And I, I kind of had to be like, we're not done. We need, we need to just a little bit more. You just see that, see that clock. We got to get under that, you know. And it was just, I've seen it in the Olympics, and this was far less spectacular because I was not going as fast as them. But I now have this great appreciation for like losing complete control and trying to be like leg brain connection. Like we got to just hold yeah. me upright. Let me just because no one can touch you. No one can help you. No. So, no, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looked like if it had been a couple more meters, you would have been crawling those last couple of meters. Oh, I was fully prepared to get some carpet burn and just yeah. myself along. <laughs> Not going to stop that close. No. And, um, there's a lot of value in DNFs because really, like, you had that DNF at Western States in 2022, and you credit that with being a big part of this journey, leading you to go, yeah, why not? do iron man because you're a bit um jade is probably maybe too strong but just i need a break from 100 milers and so you were just open to all these possibilities totally which led to tarawera which led to utmb which like 
this massive snowball all came from a DNF. Yeah. And a big thing that like I talk to a lot of people about is how like these things don't happen to you, they happen for you. And it's not until you've kind of moved through life and done some other things and then looked back and been like, ah, you know, Western States and that start line in June 24th, you know, we put so much weight, so much pressure, so much emphasis. And the likelihood of that day going amazingly for 24, 30 hours is very unusual. It's That's just not the case. And then things happening, like for me, I fell and I hit my head and had a concussion and got medically uh, withdrawn. Um, it's just like I could, you know, there were, I had a really hard time after that going for a run and being like, I'm always just a step away from this whole thing ending, you know, like, yeah. and it's like when you roll your ankle, you have a hard time kind of having that trust in like my feet do know where to go and I'm not going to trip on every rock. And this isn't kind of like how my running career is going to be now. Um, but yeah, it was, the Ironman was definitely like a really awesome way to kind of remove myself from what felt like, I just felt like I was never living up. I wasn't having the race that I wanted and I put so much time and effort and training into, and, you know, I've had a third place at Western States, so a great run. And then I've had a 15th place and a really challenging day. And I kind of went into last year going, you know what? I just want a day in between. I just want to like pretty boring day, pretty mutual, happy to just come 30th, 40th. I don't care. Like I just want to do it and be like happy and confident in my body again. And for it to end the way it did, I was just like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Like this is the most brutal way to run is just to put so much emphasis on one race. And I, I was always of that mentality of like, have one focus. Don't, don't have lots of focuses. Cause that just removes like, you've always just then like halfway through, if it's getting hard, you'd be like, Oh, I'm just saving myself for the next one. Or there's no point pushing. But I realized, and you'll see it from this year where I did so many things was because it's actually really healthy to have little stepping stones along the way. And it's about how you perceive them and how much emphasis you put on them. Yeah. Cause like it, that's where it comes down to is how can you show up and can you show up going, this is a stepping stone to this race or can you be like, I'm going to send it and I'm not going to save it. You know, like I raced UTMB, like I was never racing Kona and I raced Kona, like I'd never raced UTMB because I wanted to respect and give myself a shot in both of them. But that also help you put like nothing to put value on that isn't conventional is the ability to say no when you need to. And if you had all these other things, because it was the trail world champs yep. that you end up going, no, nah, this is not right for me right now. Um, yeah 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 for sure there was a lot of you know it's really easy to get caught up in the trail running world um and I, it's probably the one thing that bothers me the most is how much we more is more like you've got like the the ability everyone's just doing more and you watch elite athletes and you see like the likes of Courtney DeWalter doing Western States Hard Rock UTMB winning them all and that's 300 miles in like eight weeks or something and I'm like that is not the norm. You are not her. She is not human. <laughs> like, you know, and it's kind of the expectation is that you've got to be doing the ultra distance at the race, that if there's a hundred K option, you must be doing that. And like, I'm going to ultra trail Kosciuszko in December. And, um, I was like, someone said to me, what distance are you running? And I was like, I think I'm going to do the 20. And they were like, 
oh, are you, are you injured? And I was like, nah, if I was injured, I wouldn't be running at all, man. Like, and I just had this, like, this feeling of we have got to get over this. And if you're not doing the 100K, you don't say I'm just doing the 50 or I'm only doing the 20 because it bothers me to no end. I'm like someone would kill to have to be able to do that. So you're, it's not only and it's not just. It's You've got to put so much pride into saying, I'm doing the 20 and it's going to be great. <laughs> and so something you have talked about, which you were you were just mentioning, is this language that we use about ourselves. So you mentioned only, just, there's also have to, need to. Um, and in that you speak about the value of a kilometre. It's a thousand metres, like, and that being its own, like, achievement. Um, so, yeah, talk about why it would be great if we were able to stop using those kinds of words about ourselves. Yeah, I just feel like the words like only and just diminish what you're trying to achieve and what you're setting out to do. And maybe it's not like you, it's not an issue for you, but the person that you're talking to, if you say, oh, I'm just doing the 50K and they feel like that's not enough, um, it's it's more the the reaction to the person being spoken to that I'm like oh okay like you know 50ks is plenty 20ks is plenty parkrun plenty you know like and I I really want like the access to running to be like two feet off the ground you're a runner you know and there's no minimum pace and there's no minimum distance and there's no yeah like all these things it's not like there's not a body, there's not a time, there's not a distance. It's just if you take two feet off the ground, that in dictionary terms is you are a runner. Um, and so I just feel like the ultra running and trail running community, mainly trail running community, because ultra, obviously that comes with, it's more than a marathon. So that is kind of like a specific thing. There is finer details, but like trail running and just running in general. Um, I just want people to realize and understand that, it's such a privilege to get to do these distances and to have a body that will allow you to carry, to carry you for that far. Um, and to do it really proudly and to talk about it with pride. And, you know, like you were saying, one of the things that I kind of had to listen to my inner dialogue is I was kind of saying like to my dad, um, when I was kind of going through a bit of a rough patch, I was like, Oh, I have to run. Like it's my job. Dad's like, okay, you don't have to run. You get to run, Lucy. Like you have a body, you have a day that revolves around it. Like you get to do that. That's an incredible privilege. Um, And then, you know, trying to just listen to like, do I want to, do I have to, do I get to, and do I need to? Um, And like, it's the same sentence with one word difference and how we talk about what we do and how we do it. It's like having a to-do list. And it's like, these are your get to do things. They're not the things that you have to do. You get to do these things and they're going to set you up and set your future self up for uh, an easier a more seamless or probably more enjoyable future if you do these things. Um, and so that's just kind of something I'm pretty passionate about. And I'm probably very annoying because I pull everyone up on it. <laughs> it was at an event last night and everyone was saying, oh, I'm just doing this. Just, and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we need to. And so I was like making them shout it out if they were doing it, like really like scream that they were running the 50K. Okay. And I was like, that's, that's how you should be saying it. You know, you should be wearing a sign and t- being proud of what you've put yourself up for. And the fear of failure, it's real, but 
but like it's also really beautiful for people to see you try yeah one unfortunate thing in our sport um which you've you've spoken about publicly as well is safety and how annoying it is that we do have to to think about that um and you've recounted an event when you were 14 with this motorcyclist which was just terrifying so long story short they followed you home and then mm-hmm. had the audacity to then come knock on your door and expect to be able to come in it was just bizarre and it was uh you want to thank goodness your brother was home kind of incidents but you talk about like it's you don't want people to feel afraid and you don't want them to be held back but you know we are out there alone in very remote locations when we do this sport that we love um you just got to try and run smarter not that it's your fault if anything happens you can't you know, protect against any circumstance. But what are some of the ways that you run smarter with all of your training? Yeah, definitely. And it's a it's a really challenging one because especially what with that where I run and what I want to do and like I'm so interested in maps and like the trails that are probably far less traveled. Um and in very remote areas, I want to go to the top of high mountains and into valleys with no reception. Um and so I'm always just like, you know, prepare for the worst um and you know plan like plan is it plan for the best prepare for the worst um <laughs> I, that. That. I always get it mixed up <laughs> don't get mixed up um <laughs> but you know things I do are like I obviously will carry as much safety stuff as I can and that can be like a tracker so for Christmas after me doing uh the Lara Pinta trail so I ran across the Lara Pinta I should link friend- that documentary as well yeah, yeah. Races where I just I'm crying and look very red in the face the whole time so, um so I have like a personal locator beacon that I'll turn on and that's something that gets signal regardless of where I am and I can it pretty much there's two buttons one goes to dad and says I've made my spot or two is a helicopter um so investing in something like that if you're going to do something extreme but if you're running like local trails or like inner city stuff, which can probably seem more scary. Like I go out to these places and the chances of me seeing someone is very minimal because that's a lot of effort. Whereas like you hear a lot of stories of that kind of inner suburbia trails where there can be people that just kind of like, yeah, just do stupid stuff. And so in those cases, you know, Again, I would, you know, run constantly with pack on um, and have my phone and on your, like with my phone, I will have like, my dad has like, find my phone, find my friends. So my dad can track me and he can see, Um, he'll know the route that I'm doing. Um, And, you know, there actually is a really cool thing that I learned with iPhones is that if you press, it's a double check, but I think it's like the up and down button of the volume three times or five times really fast it'll call emergency services so you actually don't even need to like go in and press zero 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 um that's i have to find out exactly what it is but that's an emergency response for your phone and that's a really cool thing because sometimes if i get nervous i'll take it out of my pack and just hold my phone and it's really easy to just with your two fingers be able to click those buttons um and you don't think too much Otherwise, you know, running in groups is obviously safety in numbers. So like joining run clubs, especially like in winter when the nights are, the days are shorter and it's in the dark. Um, And just, you know, 
being wary, don't put like headphones in. I think those bone conducting headphones that sit on the outside of your ears allow you to hear so much more around you are kind of, that's what people should be using. That's the future of running. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can do all the things in the world, but there are just some shitty people out there, <laughs> that, you know? So I hope, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other things you would add to that? Oh, I think um, not running the same route um, all the time. Um, you got that little Strava circle where you can make it so it doesn't. Yeah. The parts of your runs that are right near your house. There's some good ones as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, something else that you you really value speaking about is um, kind of how people talk about bodies. God, there's so many trolls. It's ridiculous. Um, and, you know, that's something you, you're good at responding. But, um, you know, we, we do this sport that has this huge physical and emotional toll on our body. So we need to give them what they need. We need the fuel. We need muscle. We need fat reserves. We don't want red S. We don't want osteoporosis. Um, we don't want fractures. Like we, we don't want our hormones being all completely um, stuffed up as well. So you talk a lot about trying to shift that focus from, you know, what do our bodies look like, blah, 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 um, to what can our bodies do and how do they feel while they're doing it? Um, so yeah, I guess talk a little bit about the messages that you try and get out about bodies. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a pretty sensitive topic for a lot of people. And, you know, I can understand why people probably have this preconceived idea of what a runner looks like, right? You watch the Olympics or any streamed high level event and the, the girls are usually in sports bras and like uh, underwear running around of a certain figure, you know, because when you're doing that kind of distance and at that kind of level, there is like that weight does play a part. You know, I'm not going to deny that. Um, the thing is, is that through that and then magazines of people who are models, they are not runners um, and they look amazing, but they have literally done three strides and then they've stopped turned <laughs> yeah. around. And it does my head striding and heel striking as well. <laughs> exactly. It does my head in because I look at it and I was like, I never look like that. Never. I'm like knees together, but it's not hanging out. Like I am, you know, it's just not realistic. And of course people then kind of look at other ra their race photos or other people and they're like, uh, what, you know, like that's, you're not, that's not what I know and had, um, had like thought was a runner. And so I really am passionate about changing that story because that's old school to think like that. And that is we've moved past that now and we've got so many cool ambassadors and role models who have done incredible things that don't fit that mold. And what we should be starting to realise hopefully is that like there is no mold. Um, when I ran Western States in 2018, I was the smallest I have ever been or would, well, would ever be <laughs> at my age. Um, and so it was really interesting because I came third place. I had success and that success will live for a year when you're putting yourself in that position. So you'll kind of be confirmed. Oh, things are good. This is good. This is what I should be doing. Missing a period. No big deal. Don't worry about it. I'm winning. I've got sponsorships. I've got following like, this is, this is success. This is what winning feels like. The thing is, is that those people putting themselves in those positions and like me, you have your up and then you have a really steep, long down. Um, but during that, when I came third at Western States, overnight I picked up 50,000 um, 
Instagram followers and they knew me as that person in that shape at that size. And when I had that big spiral back down and my body had to go, uh, uh, like we got to sort things out. And if you're not going to stop, we'll stop you. And if you're not going to like help us, then we'll just do it ourselves. And that's where the body just goes into that kind of, we're just going to store things. We're going to get back, get that weight back up. And we're, you know, I didn't have any injuries, but like my headspace was like, just not interested in the sport of running either. And as I started to change, naturally, there was a lot of questions of like, what's going on? Like, she looks so different now. She's so much bigger. I wasn't running well. Oh, she's running terribly. She was just a one-shot wonder. And so I've kind of been under scrutiny. And I understand it because, of course, it's a drastic change. But what I want people to realize is that it was out of necessity. It was out of health. And whilst I was winning, and that can be deemed as successful, and because I ran a hundred miles, people think you're healthy. You can do that in an unhealthy state and it'll last so long. Um, so now I'm just very passionate about, especially getting into the Ironman. I was like that sport training, all those sports changes your body. You do anything and it will change the composition. You lift some weights, you do something different. You know, if you stretch enough, you'll be able to touch your toes. You can change and adapt. And that's the coolest thing about the body is its ability to grow and to, to adjust and to um, adapt from things. Um, and so when I started swimming, I was like, man, I got these like really strong shoulders now. Like I can pull water. I can surf so much better. Um, you know, it was really cool. Um, but obviously everyone was like, why, you know, she's got such a big upper body now. And I was like, yeah, cause I was swimming, you know, and, um, you're on the bike, you're grinding up hills, your quads grow, your glutes grow, you know, you get so strong. And so the body changes and it absorbs and it adapts and it's, it's amazing, but you know, it's always, there's always someone that needs to say something of like, you know, she shouldn't be like this. She'd be better if she was like this. And it's, you know, and it's just kind of, I want young girls specifically and young boys, but I can speak to girls more that you can do whatever you want. You can be however you want to be, but you've got to be strong and you've got to eat enough. And it's like, eat enough always, eat more than enough sometimes and never, not enough, never, you know, just kind of really, that is fuel for your tank to go and live life to the fullest. And if that tank's en uh, empty, you're not going anywhere. And it's going to be, you're going to look back and regret that you didn't look after yourself and take those chances and do those cool things because on your gravestone is not going to be your race results, your work your height your BMI like <laughs> hopefully she had great energy and she was happy and she was funny and that only comes from looking after yourself that's when your personality comes out that's when you've got the en energy to hug more and to jump higher and to do fun things and to be spontaneous because you're strong enough to endure anything yeah and when you when you are doing um recovery for your body what are some of the things that you really focus on on when you have been going a little too hard and you need to get back to healthy just the basics so my biggest thing is do the basics really really well and when you need it more do them harder like sleep longer eat more you know um walk the dog more um hydrate more you know it's just kind of 
those basic things. There's tools that you can use and you can buy. You can buy recovery boots and massage guns and you can get massages. But there's also like low-hanging fruit things, just the everyday, what the body needs, um, which is like sleep, fuel, time, and just like probably more for the mind is to not talk or think about running and to maybe like put normal clothes on for once and not walk around in your joggers. Um, And so I think like for me, that recovery just looks like doing those things really well and prioritizing them over, you know, planning the route and where I'm going to run and how I'm going to do the session. Um, Yeah. That's kind of like, I just try and keep it really simple, really cost effective. (laughs) Um, And yeah. And emotional recovery is important as well. And I, I want to point out a funny story from you, part of your emotional recovery, um, that you and your dad went and got tattoos. <laughs> I, I just love this story so much. So um, after Western States, as part of the emotional recovery, went and got tattoos. And I think you were on the plane and you were kind of couldn't really understand the elevation profile and it finally hit you that it was only the second half the, the half that actually, you know, went pear-shaped, half of the, the course. So the last 50 miles, not, not the whole 100 miles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was um, – I remember – we did it the day before I was flying out to Europe for four months. And I was just like, I have a friend who's a tattooist. And I was like, yep, here's the elevation profile real quick. Didn't really glance at it much. Just typed <laughs> elevation. And then I was sitting there and I was like, it just doesn't make sense. You know, and I was on the plane. I was like, and then I had this like heart dropping moment feeling of like, oh, it's like the Antarctic marathon. Like it's something he hasn't even oh, done. And right. I was like, oh no. Like, what have I done? And I pulled up what I'd sent the tattooist and it was Western State. And then it said at the bottom on the graph, it said 50 to 100 miles. And I was like, we've only done half. And the thing was, was that dad got it across his wrist. Um, And I was like, oh, and we've tattooed where it went to shit. Like you say pear shape, I say shit. Like (laughs) (laughs) it went really wrong. And I was like, oh, no. And I was like, do I tell him or do I just kind of like, yeah, Western States looks great. But um, I ended up telling him and he's now going to get the other half on the other wrist. And when he puts it and go together, because yours is along the forearm, so you can just extend it. Have you done it now? Oh, there we go. Yeah. I haven't got the second half yet. My my thing is that I won't get the second half until I race the race. So. I want to get back in and do it and I want to get him back. With a Bartholomew's just need a real chill Western States experience between yep. my concussion and his two-minute over t- time limit finish. Um, I'm trying to get back in for both of us so that we can just make peace with the Western States gods and move on. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I've done an event four times, like, just to end up having a day that I was happy with. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's addicting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I've got some listener questions. Mm. So a bit of a rapid fire. Can she do one of her girl athlete motivation speeches at my girls' school? <laughs> so you actually do go out and speak to um, girls at school. So yeah. what's the focus of what you talk about with young girls? Oh, it can really vary. I usually talk to the teachers and ask, like, what's been their kind of, like, uh, focus for the term or for this what they've been talking about so sometimes it's been I mean during COVID there was a lot of like resilience and mental health like without calling it mental health um stuff and then just kind of like talking through 
how I, what I've learned through my career and like tools that I've got in my toolbox of how to overcome, you know, I use running as the example in my races, but like what I've learned through running, I apply to my everyday life, right? Like you got to have patience in an ultra race and you got to have patience in the real world. Um, So I feel like it's really cool to kind of pull out these lessons that I've learned and then take them to a classroom and be like, a 12 year old kid's going to take a lot from this. Um, but yeah, no, I love talking. It's probably one of my favorite things to do. Um, I did during COVID, I did virtually 58 schools I spoke wow. to. During, yeah. Cause I was like, I'm bored. I got nothing to do. And teachers need a reprieve. My brother's a teacher as well. And he was like, you've got to take my students, Lucy, like talk to them. Just give me half an hour of, of quiet. And I was like, <laughs> I got this. I can ramble. <laughs> How did schools get in touch with you for that then? Just uh, through my email. So I'm you, they can just email me. Yeah. Right. Um, I'll tell it. So uh, what's it like to be focused on as an Aussie, especially as a woman within the sport? They kind oh, of do I, different things, but yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of pride being an Aussie and being a female in the sport. And I feel like it's such a special time in the sport, especially for women. Like the competition, when I started this sport, um, doing this, you know, as a female, just participating, there was usually three of us. So you were always on the podium. My resume early on, amazing. I was just (laughs) on the podium all the time. And now it's just so competitive and it's so cool because a rising tide lifts all ships, you know, we're all just pushing each other and finding these new records and potentials. And just, it feels like it's untapped what we can achieve. Um, and it's really exciting because, it's a more exciting race than the females because it's unknown how it's going to play out. The men is generally, you've got more of an idea. Um, and to put Australia in the international circuit to be able to represent um, down under and the Southern hemisphere, especially in America and in Europe where they kind of have their own little bubbles of it. Um, yeah. It feels really cool. I feel really proud when I come back from these places though. I have, I always pick up like an accent and everyone's like, you don't sound Australian. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so uh, I feel like I'm trying to represent the country, but I, uh, yeah, my accent, maybe not. <laughs> um, Someone else's question. Honestly, how the F does she do so well? Question mark, exclamation <laughs> mark, question mark. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of not so wells in there. And I feel like, you know, you can frame anything to, and well, I think it's important to say Instagram is like, that's like 30 seconds of my day put on there, you know, the smoothie bowls, the dogs, the good, the runs, whatever. Um, But there's been a lot. And like previous to this year, this year was like the first year where I finished it. And I feel very content in the season and very content in who I am and what my body is and where I'm at and where I'm going and who I'm surrounded by there was a good three years there where I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is, should I just go to university? Should I switch up what I'm doing? You know, like, is this for me still? This sport's changing. Am I, do I want to be a part of this? Um, And I feel like, you know, coming back to that why in running and coming back to just like reconnecting with the people who understand me and who get me and who can, who will love me whether I do well or don't do well. Um, And just kind of like, remembering that it's just running like at the end of the day 
it's great. It's an amazing accomplishment. It's not my everything. And I'm not just Lucy the runner. Like I am a daughter. I am a sister, you know, I'm so many other things and I have so many other passions. Um, and just kind of like allowing myself to grow into those areas has been really important to doing well in running. Now that I'm less focused on running, I'm doing better in running. So I think that's like a pretty important thing. Yeah. Um, where does your amazing attitude come from? I've seen the way she has responded to haters and it's impressive, thoughtful and open and an inspiration for young females. And someone did reply to that. Who would hate her? Who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no. it's, it's definitely, I've gotten better. I sometimes could get pretty hot-headed and I would reply to people and probably exacerbate the whole thing you know giving air to haters just gives them breath and life and they just grow and they think it's it's they're getting what they want they want response and they want to you know they just want to create something out of nothing um you know I got to the point where I was kind of like I would like a draft a reply and then send it to my dad and then I'd send it to like my best friend and I was like is this okay like (laughs) I say this um and the other thing is like my dad reads all my comments on social media and he would see something that someone wrote and he'd like just wait and see. And like, he knows I read them all as well. Like I I get a lot of comments and a lot of questions, a lot of messages, but I read every single one of them. And, um, you know, he would see me get into like a bit of a bad mood or a bit stroppy and he'd be like, you read it. Hey. And I was like, (laughs) yeah. He's like, do you want to talk about it? Like, let's talk about it. Does that say something more about them than it does about you? Do you think what they write is true? And I'm like, no, no, it's about them. Like, it's on them to think that. And just kind of having that process of someone else just being like, Lucy, it's dumb. They're being dumb. You're just, you know, like you're just kind of the person that they're poking at. And you can either choose to respond and give them the reaction they want or you can just be like, have a great day. Like, I wish you all the best. Um, so it's not been easy and I've dealt with it wrong in the past multiple times. Um, but I also will not just let it slide. And I think that this is something that maybe people don't understand is that sometimes you get in these back and forth and confrontations because if I don't say something, maybe they'll think that's okay to go and write on someone else's post. And that person may not be as strong or have the same network as what I have and it could spiral them. And so I'm like, I don't mind. You can say that about me, but you don't have, you have no right to say this about anybody. Um, You know, like I'll let this slide on you just personally attacking me. But if you say this to any other female, if you think that this is okay, then you got to look in the mirror and you got to really assess what you think is okay and socially acceptable because you don't know what the roll on effect, you know, me a few years ago, you could have taken, like it could have really spiraled me down. And so I'm passionate of kind of calling out the BS and, you know, people will say that I'm hot-headed sometimes, but uh, I'd say I'm passionate. <laughs> but if you let people, yeah, they say it and there's no consequence, then they get that feeling of permission. Exactly. Okay to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say, but you just said it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a teacher. It's like decades of going, summarizing what people were saying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, this podcast could be half the time. Podcasts <laughs> 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 for like, you're on your long run and it's just like having a chat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, 
Um, um, the last question I have here was, does she feel that the sport is becoming more responsive to females and the way we are affected by our reproductive cycles? Or is, is it still taboo in need of more research and awareness? Mm. Obviously, Stacey Sims has helped us all make massive strides in that space. But yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think like there's a lot of people starting to talk about and you know, change their, the, how they train around their cycle. The thing is, though, is that a lot of them are doing it based on their own experience, which cannot be correlated to anybody nor the mass population. Um, I was doing a bit of coaching with a business that was female-oriented and they trained off follicular, literal, like going off the cycles and the hormones. And what I found with the athletes that I was working with is that it wasn't – it wasn't for all of them. Um, and so sometimes if you say, oh, you're in this stage of your cycle, this is how you'll probably feel. It can start to create a psychological fear of like, they won't enter races if it falls in that part of the cycle. And I'm like, unless you have really strong symptoms, in which case hundred percent, but then you're probably instead of a coach should have like a, like a medical professional assisting you yeah. in this. Yeah. Um, then, you know, like as it's your hormones are changing, how you feel, how your body feels is going to be different. But I think that it was creating a lot of stress on the athletes that I was working with. And so now the athletes I work with, they're all young females. And I'm like, do you have a cycle? They say yes or no. If they say no, I say, I'm not coaching you then. You need to see someone else, um, you know, save your money, go see a medical professional. And then does it impact you? Like, do you feel the effects of your cycle? Yes or no? If yes, then okay, let's walk. Like, you've just got to be super open with me about how you feel um, day to day. And then we'll kind of graph that and be able to see how that kind of plays out. If not, then we're just going to train like like I've trained a lot of people. Um, so I think it's there. There's just not the research over long periods of time, over a mass population that we can like so strongly push that upon someone so I'm kind of very it's great it's super good knowledge and it comforts a lot of people it gives them kind of an understanding but at the same time I don't want it to define um especially young females because yeah it's just something that I'm like super passionate about and I'll be a part of any research study on it but also at the same time I'm um, just aware of the effects of misinformation and maybe not accurate for that individual yeah awesome cool and that was yeah that was those listener questions that came in um I guess as a, a wrap-up question from me what would um modern day Lucy if she could go back in time although younger Lucy probably wouldn't listen <laughs> if, you could, if you could speak to younger Lucy and she would listen what do you think might be um something you'd really want her to know Oh, I probably just wanted to just keep being her, you know, just be authentic and unrelenting in what sets her heart on fire. I think it's really easy to get so caught up and swept up in what the world's doing, what everyone else is doing and, you know, more is more and being busy is cool and like, you know, and just kind of understand that your pace is your pace and that's in life and that's in running and you know if you cruise along at that and you feel content and you feel happy then like those are the best things you can ever feel um and just surround yourself with good people 
and to listen to my dad because <laughs> it's all coming back that all these things he said to me when I was younger have, um, yeah, they've definitely influenced me now more than ever. And your incredible 2023 isn't over because you've got GPT coming up. Very, what's the date? God, that's like 10 days away, isn't it? Yeah, let's not talk about it. I have <laughs> kind of been in an off season and this 50K uh, is going to be eye-opening. Yeah. <laughs> I have some people from my run club going and so I've been getting to hear a lot about what the terrain is like and that. Yeah. It's like nothing. Oh, you should come out. I mean, it's it's like nothing I've ever seen. Like it's just really, I feel like 50Ks out there is like worth 100Ks. It's um, it's really challenging. It's really rewarding. It's stunning country um, and there's a lot of history. So I'm really excited for people to get out there and achieve something that's really massive. So I'm not only or just doing the 50K, I'm doing the massive. <laughs> and then you are doing, we're going to be at the same event. I've, that's never happened to me. Um, Kosciuszko in December. You're yeah. doing training. I think so. I haven't signed up. Um, oh, okay. Mainly there to help to see two of my athletes are running one the 100k and one the 50k um and also I just want to support the event I feel like they had a bit of a false start last year with the course change in the snow and so I just want to be up there with the community and see out the year uh in the snowy mountains where else would you want to be <laughs> cool thank you so much for um coming on the show today I'll link um everything that we've mentioned down in the show notes um but yeah thanks for sharing your wisdom this amazing ultra journey that you've gone on over all these years. Thanks, Beck. I really appreciate it. Thanks. And happy trails, everyone. Uh-huh.